Hello and welcome everyone. My name is Darcy Thompson-Fields. My name is Nathan Anibaba and this is the CEO of our digital show. This is an open-ended exploration of markets, technology, trends, ideas and strategies that will help you better deliver results for your company and your stakeholders. You can learn more and stay up to date at ceo.digital. So today marks a sad day, Nathan, in that it's your last episode with us. I know. I'm so sad to be leaving, but I've had so much fun. We've had some fantastic guests. Thank you so much for having me. And you'll be pleased to know that I'm being replaced by someone even better. Craig McCartney is a fantastic host and he's just got an, an amazing background in B2B and technology. And you'll be in very safe hands. Welcome, Craig. Welcome, Craig. Obviously, I've been working with you for a couple of years now, and I know you have a wealth of experience in B2B marketing and technology that you're going to bring to the show. And we actually have a very exciting guest this week, uh, which is Dr. Marcel Volmer from BCG. And Craig, we usually start off our episodes uh, with a little intro talking about our highlights from the show. Thanks very much, Darcy. And thank you, Nathan, for your kind words. You've been a great addition to the show and really kicked us off in style. We are sad to see you leave, but the door will always be open. And I'm looking forward to continuing the good work. I'm very excited to hear what Dr. Volmer has to say. I know I spoke to him a few months ago and we couldn't get him booked in soon enough. He's a very interesting and colorful person and really looking forward to this episode. What are your favorite bits, Darcy and Nathan? Oh, that's easy for me. Uh, it was about learning from my perspective, how interesting and sexy procurement and supply chain was. I was not expecting to learn that when I started this interview. Um, But if you think about some of the biggest success stories in business today, Apple, Amazon, go down the list, they're actually great stories about an efficiently well-run supply chain. That's so true. I think for me, I really like the fact that we touched on visibility and accountability when it comes to the supply chain. You know, brands really need to focus on being accountable for every step of the supply chain. Uh, And it's something that customers, especially millennials, Gen Z, increasingly care about. So something that we all need to be aware of. Couldn't agree more. Should we get into the episode? Let's do it. Marcel Volmer is a partner and director at BCG. He advises C-level executives and executive teams on the full range of digital transformation, innovation, new business models, restructuring and reorganisation with focus on procurement, supply chain and operations globally. He has held senior roles within DHL, SAP and Silonis before joining Boston Consulting Group. Marcel Volmer, welcome to the CEO.Digital show. Many thanks for having me. It's a great pleasure being here today. Thanks for taking the time, Marcel. You've been Chief Innovation Officer, Chief Digital Officer, Chief Procurement Officer, and Chief Operations Officer at many notable companies, as as we've just mentioned. What have you learned about the importance of digital transformation for enterprise businesses to create and maintain competitive advantage? Oh, thanks, Nathan. That's a great question, man. Basically, what's really eye-opening on on my end is seeing that everyone talks about digital transformation is definitely one of the hyped buzzwords what you see in the industry. On the other side, when you really look, what is it what the companies are doing? um, The progress, when we do surveys, for example, and I do a CPO survey on a regular basis now, the fifth year um, in a row, 
where we do that. Basically, everyone says 80% agrees um, it is important to do digital transformation. But basically, when you then look, okay, what have you done? So if it's so important, then you see, oh, there were some reasons, uh, budget, um, talents, data quality, things like that. So basically, there is a disconnect between the term, the usage of the term, and what's really happening and getting in execution. This is what I learned in the different roles, starting at SAP and later on also at Celonis and now here at BCG, basically pretty much consistent. You become Chief Innovation Officer for Celonis in 2019. The company helps businesses drive change to business processes, resulting in millions of dollars saved and delivering extraordinary customer experiences in the process. What did you take away from that experience as it relates to what the best businesses do to drive change and improve their processes? Oh, I think definitely you need to focus on a customer-centric, stakeholder-centric process, which you need to take in the middle of what you are doing on the business side. To connect with customers, I think everyone agrees that this is um, very important to be successful. But it is also that you need internally have the right processes. I always say it needs to be Apple easy and Google fast when you look at a process. Um, I know it's um, also uh, using using two different buzzwords, but basically this is really what I learned from my time that when you focus on the on the process as really the first priority. Then you can define also the right organizational setups and structure you want to put in place to connect with customers, to connect with stakeholders in the procurement space, its suppliers, its lines of businesses, but also the employees you need to connect with. And then you can define the right technology helping you on your end-to-end process to really be successful. Salonis with process mining is a beautiful opportunity where you can visualize, enhance, and monitor the process performance in real time. And this is really something what helps you to understand, but also to act in a case that there's a friction, to immediately react and basically remove the friction that the customer experience is seamless because you want to sell, you want to make it easy. And we see the success of Amazon, of Alibaba. It's all about the customer experience. Take social media, the success of Google. Um, it is very easy to, to use it. So therefore, this is one of the reasons why they are so successful as um, as companies. And therefore, the process is in the um, not only in the middle, it's at the beginning of you thinking what you should consider to do. Thank you. And I mean, let's move on to Boston Consulting Group, where you are now. You advise the C-suite and executive teams on the full range of digital transformation, innovation, new business models, restructuring and reorganization with a focus on procurement, supply chain and operations globally. When thinking about digital transformation, you know, how do you make sure that clients have the right model in place for the future? So basically, I think you need to really look holistically what is the vision, what a client wants to achieve. I think understanding really um, what is the purpose of the business and what are the objectives you, you have. This helps you to define the right measures basically to understand, look into um, the current setup, what you have, and then also define the process, organization, and the right technology to link that. But let's also not forget the change management side. And I didn't fully uh, cover this in the in the uh, 
previous question. Basically, any adoption, what you do, doesn't matter if you change process organization or if you introduce new IT systems. Basically, it only lasts if you have a very high adoption for the people working um, in your organization. And therefore, the success of a digital transformation is absolutely dependent um, on also taking the people on board. And therefore, um, I always want to link it to the vision what you have as a company, but also as a function um, where you can really help um, to drive the change and also getting the people behind because at the end, we know how important people are for the success of the company. And therefore, we try to embed this in an overall approach by doing the analytics right, helping um, to provide the right guidance, what needs to be changed, but also to ensure that at the end it gets implemented, embedded in the organization with all the people um, in your team, in your organization, in your process. Now let's talk a little bit about supply chain because it's become the top priority of a lot of CEOs recently. It's not glamorous and it's not sexy, but a lot of businesses that, that get it right can really see huge gains in, in competitive advantage. Discuss. Nathan, first of all, let me disagree on what you said. It's not sexy. <laughs> we have all seen how important it is to run a smooth supply chain and how dependent we are by looking into the current pandemic. Um, sadly, we are still in the midst of the COVID-19 um, crisis, um, in the midst of the pandemic. Hopefully, it will get better as soon as the vaccination um, kicks in more broadly globally. Mm -hmm. But basically, supply chain is absolutely key to provide all the goods, what you need for living, um, as well as to keep the businesses, keep the operation um, going. So therefore... I definitely would say it's not only important, um, it is also very sexy having this um, in the center to run and be successful um, with whatever you do. Without a supply chain, I think we all might agree, we will pretty soon run out of food, we'll run out of goods, everything uh, what we need. But you're also right on the other side, um, supply chain and also procurement are not always in the center of the discussion. What's interesting seeing due to a crisis, it is number one priority on the C-level agenda for CEO, CFO, uh, chief operation officer. Everyone talked about the supply chain because we have seen how critical it is to keep it up and running. And this is something also where you need to think about um, how to best set up structure and rethink also the way how you do business. We have seen the globalization that basically raw material gets extracted somewhere in the world, <clears throat> very often in the southern part of the hemisphere, and then it got um, produced somewhere in Far East um, or um, in a country, it got shipped to another location, assembling process before it really um, went to the consumer markets. What we see now is basically also there's a lot of risk in it. If you don't have ships um, um, delivering in time what you need, you see that your production can, can stop. Uh, now we see currently a shortage of containers. Um, you would not necessarily have expected that. Um, but basically, this also shows that de-risking the supply chain is definitely um, a key priority right now and also working on the resilience that you have really a resilient supply chain focusing that you can also mitigate in a case that one 
key supplier can't deliver what you need, that you basically have a process in place, that you have alternative suppliers, ideally also from a different region, an entire area like Hubei, we have seen that the area around the Wuhan city where the coronavirus started, mm. um, if such an area gets shut down, basically all suppliers are, are impacted and also all customers are impacted. Sure. And this is really also where you see that now is the time to really rethink the way how you do business and how you also structure and set up the supply chain to be resilient in the future and to ensure that your business um, keeps going. Hmm. Really interesting. And then to underline that point uh, and the sexiness of it, Amazon and Apple, probably two of the biggest companies in the world, are essentially supply chain companies yeah. moving goods and products from one side of the earth to, to the other. Obviously, you, you know, with a fantastic brand and wraparound around it, but the underlying economics are definitely underpinned by fantastic supply chain. Yes, Mason, and, and um, I couldn't agree more on what you said about the success of Apple, Amazon. They are much more out there, but basically they are really supply chain companies. Look at the complexity what Apple does to um, produce the, um, the iPhones. We all have them in the meantime, um, or a smartphone, whatever it is. But basically this means you need a tightly integrated supply chain um, that you get all the related components um, assembled in time to deliver it globally. And we all know what's happening if a new um, iPhone gets released, um, people queuing up in front of the Apple stores because they want to be one of the first getting it. And this means also that you need to connect a lot of logistics, a lot of processes around that um, to, to deliver everything in time. And Amazon, um, an amazing example also what you mentioned. Um, I lived um, almost three years in the United States in Atlanta, Georgia. And um, I was impressed. I ordered something at Memorial Day. Six hours later, I got it delivered. Um, and this is really also showing about, and we started with the customer experience. This is amazing, isn't it? That you get something, um, what you order in the morning and in the afternoon, you already have it. And we only can envision what now emerging technologies will do if drone delivery becomes reality. At least we will see that the speed of really getting things in time will increase dramatically, but also the expectation of the customers are increasing at the same point in time. So therefore, you need to ensure that you have the latest technology working for what your company does. And the supply chain is basically connecting all the elements. I define it in a very simple way in four words. Plan, source, make, and deliver. Basically, that's the supply chain. And <clears throat> the sourcing part, this is basically what procurement does. But all this needs to work together that you can ensure that you deliver whatever your customer wants in time. Thanks, Marcel. I think you're totally right on, you know, the increased speed of delivery and then, you know, the resulting customer expectations. I certainly get frustrated when I order something online that can't come the next day because we are used to that. And, you know, we hopefully are getting the technological innovations in play that are only going to help to facilitate that. But what should business leaders be focusing on when looking at the future of supply chain and the innovation? Yeah, I think 
That's a, that's a great question to focus always on a business case. That's my advice, what um, I have seen in the past um, and also currently is um, very successful because we talk a lot about buzzwords and um, uh, we even in this um, recording, we, we use uh, some of them. And I like the Gartner hype cycle, basically looking at the buzzwords currently, uh, uh, what is the current trend? But it is not necessarily also connected with the reality what helps you and your business most. So therefore, my advice is always look daily in the use case. Is it a, a valid use case for your business at this point in time? And when we talk about supply chain, it's fantastic to talk about blockchain or I like more digital um, <clears throat> talking about uh, distributed ledger technology mm. because this is really what is behind that but basically um, what what does it help if um, the business and the um, the suppliers you are doing business with are not ready at this point in time but probably starting with certain connected devices internet of things um, connecting certain components in your end-to-end um, -end processes might make sense to start with and then later on looking at the next level and therefore i always say and i know we are at a very high level at a helicopter view right now that looking at a very detailed use case what helps your business and we see that and we make a very simple um, let me make a very simple example on that when you put um, risk monitor in place to really help a, um, a company overseeing the related risk in a supply chain this is giving some direct um, insights in what's happening and indicating in a traffic light um, what is the status what you have right now this might really help and might be a good starting point if you then go deeper and you need more transparency you need more information certainly you can connect them but look really also what is the outcome do you really do something good for your product do you sell more of your products you want to sell? Do you deliver better services or do you have a competitive advantage? Either mm. by innovation, it's what you mentioned, or by a better price for what you can offer it because you can leverage the right technology to make your products better. And this is always where I try to help um, our clients really focusing on something which is tangible and that's a use case, a business case, what they have. Let's talk a little bit more about IoT. You know, it's 35 billion IoT devices to be installed worldwide by 2021 and 75.44 billion by 2025. It really is everywhere. <laughs> so what trends or factors are making IoT possible? And when all devices talk to each other, what will be the implications for the way we live our lives? So... I think IoT and the connected devices will definitely change also the level of transparency, but also monitor basically every single step of what's happening in an end-to-end -end process or in your in your supply chain. And it's also, we, we are connected um, very much with the devices what we are using. Look at your smartphones, they are recording exactly where we are at which point in time. Um, it can even be monitored which devices are close to that our personal data uh, we upload it to the cloud um, i'm using also um, some of the wearable devices and therefore i think this will fundamentally also change the level of transparency on the one side and it will also help in real time to to measure um, what's happening and 
letting people know when you order something, where exactly is it? What is the level of transparency, what you could get, which allows you also to adjust your planning to really deliver just in time and meet the customer expectations. Probably customer expectations might increase with that, but also leveraging the technology by looking at every single step in your production chain. And therefore IoT for me or industrial IoT, IIoT, is probably a use case which we will see in manufacturing um, in every single step. What's happening with your product? At which stage? How long does it take? Do you have frictions in the process um, which you can, can remove? And also provides a full transparency for supporting what you need. So therefore, I'm a big fan of IoT and connected devices, what you, what you have. And in an ideal world, probably we have real-time visibility in everything um, what, we, what we do. We need to look a little bit onto the data protection, data security topics, because probably not everything is what you would like to have uh, transparent. And also there's the risk if your competitors uh, know what you are doing. Um, so probably that's something to, to consider as well. But therefore, we mm. have very strong data protection regulations in, in place, especially here in Europe. I'm a German, as you can hear from my, from my strong accent. Sorry for that. Even the time <laughs> in the US did not help on that. But basically, we are very much regulated in, in Germany with data security, data protection, even up to a level that you might challenge probably a little bit um, more transparency would help. And look at COVID-19, just to conclude with this example. If we would have the full transparency about with whom do you meet in a case of an infection, so not in general, but only in a case of an infection, that you can immediately reach out and also um, contain a virus, um, which is um, which is deadly, um, this might also save lives. Mm. And therefore, I think we are at the beginning now using the technology and leveraging the insights what we get through it. Really interesting. I mean, you talked there about some of the applications in IoT that you're particularly excited about. And you also talked about some of the challenges as well from a security perspective. What, in your opinion, has to go right over the next few years for us to see the mainstream adoption of IoT in business? I think one key prerequisite is definitely that you need the next level of technology to really connect all the devices and have the right bandwidth available. And 5G technology is definitely the number one technology comes to my mind because you need to ensure that you really have real-time um, capabilities in the cloud by connecting all the different devices. Think about autonomous vehicles. If cars driving um, now more and more autonomously in the, in the future, you better have real-time information available. You better know exactly the distance um, to the car um, in front of you or what's happening uh, to the left or to the right. And therefore, I think this is one prerequisite what we need and we are beginning of basically now getting access to the next level here of mobile uh, technology. On the other side, I think there's also a lot of investment what's currently happening and what I see as important as um, the infrastructure. This is basically the artificial intelligence and the machine learning capabilities what we need to basically also use the information. Working with this huge amount of Basically, no human being is capable now to process really the data, what you even 
um, collect during one hour um, flight time or one hour of driving in a highly connected car autonomous vehicle. So basically you need also the high technology either supporting you at the beginning to take decisions or basically in the future also to be reliable enough that um, the machine can take the decisions and really can drive autonomously. And I see um, we use now the car example, I use the car example, you can now also transfer that to multiple other areas. So think about a smart factory where you connect all the machineries that the products, what you need for your production line are getting, um, getting there in time and everything basically drives um, highly automated with robots. Um, this is definitely significantly changing and impacting also the way on how we work. Um, how machines can interact and do a lot of things to help us to live a better life and also to do less manual labor, what is in a lot of processes still the case today. So you touched um, earlier there, Marcel, on transparency. And as we know, millennials and Gen Z are obviously key consumers and also becoming more and more key and influential in the workforce. And these are generations that are increasingly concerned with how products are sourced and produced. And supply chain obviously feeds into how consumers then feel about your brand, which if handled in the wrong way can, you know, be damaging, can be catastrophic. So what's your advice when it comes to transparency and keeping focused on your supply chain? I think transparency is absolutely a must-have what you need to, uh, to uh, provide to consumers. And I would even say you're perfectly right. Uh, the younger generations are more focused on that. So millennials, uh, generation set now, probably in the future, generation alpha. So after that, we start again uh, in an alphabetical order. <clears throat> Looking forward, seeing what's next after that. But <laughs> just a side note. Um, and what they really expect is um, looking also on the um, sustainability and the carbon footprint. We all know what climate change means. And we might have a slightly different understanding, but basically consumers are very much interested. What exactly are the ingredients of the products I'm consuming? What is it really? And do I feel comfortable with doing that? It starts with the food, but it also goes to clothes, to fashion, um, and to all products you can imagine. So therefore, you need to have the transparency and you need to monitor it, that you really can say, oh no, um, I take care and my products are sustainable. So for the CO2, um, what we produce in our manufacturing process, this is how we compensate it. Or basically we try to reduce it to a minimum. We can ensure we don't have child labor in any of our products because we simply know where do we get them. And the, uh, the sites are, um, are certified, um, we monitor them, we audit them, so that you really can also be um, very reliable in the messages what you do and connect with your with your customers, with the different generations to really say, hey, look, my products, this is what we do, this is what we stand for. And we see a lot of brands, I will not use names now, but we see a lot of brands where they are really 
um, ensuring and providing a clear message on their vision on sustainability and also they provide some measures on what they do and this is exactly what consumers expect and only if you um, if you fulfill the requirements you will be successful in the in the future and it's very simple if consumers are not buying your product um, what do you want to do with them so therefore you better have the full transparency and can monitor this in every single step of your supply chain so let's talk a little bit about leadership, Marcel, because your background and history is absolutely fascinating. As I said, we've, you've led teams at many large, um, established, well-known names. Um, what have you learned about what makes a great leader and, and how, how do you build great teams that are able to execute your vision and your strategy? Thanks, Nathan. And I started... Um, going into the first tiny step in leadership at the very beginning of my um, of my career, basically by starting my own business, and I learned that one thing is very important: um, you need to communicate and be an authentic leader. You need to make clear about what are your objectives, what is your vision, what do you want to do, that the people have a chance to follow you and to trust you, and. This is what I see the, beyond the trust that the empathy and the authenticity are very important um, to be a leader and also be someone people like to follow. If you don't, um, if you don't be a leader, people trust because they think, hmm, is he really authentic um, or do I feel that he is someone taking care and providing the right direction um, what um, what I would like to follow, you might fail as a leader, even if you are a genius in, in what, what are you doing. And I learned that, and it was also a steep learning curve at the beginning from a very small company. It was one at the beginning, and then it was two, three, five people, <laughs> and I expanded a little bit, and then I, I shifted to a corporate career um, at, at DHL first, um, starting really getting full responsibility for, for a team and at SAP it go um, to 500 uh, people. Um, so basically um, it is also an evolutionary process on how you basically become a leader. You are not born as a natural leader or at least most people are not born as a natural uh, leader. So therefore there's also a lot of learning what you, what you need to do. And I have to say I made the best experience by openly communicate um, being authentic, but also being approachable and listen to the people to understand really what are their concerns um, to first listen and then think about what is the right answer and what is expected uh, from you that you really can build a great team, a motivated team which wants to drive success and they only do that if you have also a compelling vision and the people believe, hey, wow, that's exactly what we what we like to do. Mm. Yeah, that's some great advice. Can you share with us one of your greatest leadership successes or experiences? Oh, I think definitely what um, would put here as number one my success to transform and reorganize the procurement function at SAP. So I started basically in a new field, and the team was already going through. Um, 24 months um, reorganization process, which is a fairly long time. And I provided 
um, to um, to restructure and reorganize the function very quickly by defining an end-to-end -end process focused on the stakeholders, what the human interacts with, um, and also to ensure that we will invest in the right technology. And even during the reorganization, which was done in a fairly short time frame, it took less than um, four months um, to define the process, the organization, to establish buying centers in procurement for a total team size of, at this point in time, there were more than um, 500 people impacted because certain functions from shared services were also part of the end-to-end -end process. Um, and to do that and getting a net promoter score on um, the um, annual survey, what we did at this point in time, which was 22 person points better than the previous one um, during a reorganization. I think this was definitely something um, where I highly appreciated and I was really thankful also to the team for the trust and the feedback what they provided. And it seems it was the right decision really to um, define also to execute on a compelling organization uh, for the future with all the different functions. And think about that. All the people had to apply newly for the jobs. There was uncertainty in, that is, um, in the process before the organization was done. There uh, was also uncertainty about mm, how, what, what will really change? How will our stakeholders react on that? What is with the suppliers? Don't, don't we lose um, um, the momentum now by also the engagement, what we have up and running, because we need to keep an organization running, which in the meantime is more than six billion on, on procurement spend, um, what the team uh, manages. So this was definitely one of the biggest success, what, what I would see. Um, based on my leadership experience so far. Mm, really fascinating. Thank you for sharing those experiences with us. Marcel, we've had a, we've had a great conversation so far. Let's get into our, our quick fire round. These are the questions that we ask everyone that comes onto the show. Uh, so e everyone has been eagerly anticipating asking you some of these more personal questions. <laughs> Let's start with a nice, easy one. What's the philosophy that you have on the way that you think about growing your own career and your own career path? See you today. For those that don't speak Latin. Yeah, carpe diem or carpe noctem. Um, if you combine both, you cover day and night. And uh, basically, that's something what you definitely um, should do. Thank you. Well, we've talked about IoT and the development of tech in the supply chain, but what's your personal guilty technology pleasure? I would definitely say that um, my smartphone and using social media, I'm very active on Twitter and LinkedIn. That's probably my secret, um, what, I, what I do, my secret pleasure, <laughs> if you, if you want to wanna say. But I always say it is not that you should be addicted uh, by the technology. It should be that you basically do what you like to do by using the technology, helping you on that best. Marcel, what does the evolution of your role look like? So basically now I'm a partner and director at, at BCG as an expert focusing on the, um, on the digital transformation, main focus procurement supply chain. So basically I think I definitely plan to grow 
um, in the way how I can serve clients, in the way how I can provide content and thought leadership, but also I want to go and share this in a broader way um, with the community, with people who are interested by leveraging um, social media and also probably publishing the one or the other article. So basically that's my plan to grow and of course helping and contributing to the overall success of BCG, a fantastic company. I had such a great start, a warm welcome. It's amazing the client relationship and also the thought leadership what exists already and being part of that and contributing to that. This is a great pleasure and definitely my main objective, what I have in my career right now. And how it is in a career, um, I look back what happened and the different steps. Um, you can say that, oh, wow, that's very structured and basically you build a career from the very beginning. It's a lot of hard, hard work, definitely. But basically also there are certain elements of luck, circumstances where you need to react and basically also being at the right point in time, at the right place, um, is also helping to getting um, the right question um, to take on a broader responsibility and a job. And therefore, I think we are all um, developing and the evolution is not at the end uh, until it is the end. So therefore, I'm still always open and looking what's happening and what is the best at the point in, in time, um, the time we have um, um, in our life. It's a great philosophy and you're clearly doing some great work at BCG, but describe in one line what your family think you do. Yeah, it is much easier now as a consultant. So my family <laughs> thinks I'm advising clients. Not exactly about what. <laughs> General <laughs> advice. And one level below, they think I'm sitting day and night in front of a tiny screen and looking into that and not moving a lot around it because there's one call, one video conference after another. Aren't we all? That's what the reality <laughs> looks like at this time. But I hope we come back to a time and I I really enjoyed also traveling and connecting with people. It's not mm -hmm. the traveling, honest. I'm not sad about because um, I was really five to six days on the road uh, before the, the pandemic, um, even before I joined uh, BCG. Um, and basically, I think connecting with people, understanding people, um, building relationship and also really um, having a chance to socialize. Um, for me, it means a lot. Um, I think and socializing are absolutely key. And I see now after more than one year or, or almost one year, sorry, um, it, it definitely, um, uh, there is a need also to have personal relations and connect with, with people. And I only can, um, can, can start thinking about how tough it is for, for young people now, no longer having the chance to get the experience I had already at my age, I'm 50 now, um, in, in the time and in the different roles I had over the course of my career. Absolutely. Finally, Marcel, if you were asked to place a bet on where the future of supply chain and procurement will be in 10 years, what would you say and how much would you bet? Oh, I would bet a lot that 10 years is really a tough question. Um, I think predictions are difficult, especially about the future. I think it was Winston Churchill, Niels Bohr, Mark Twain who said this. Um, but I think we will see a totally different level of automation, of using emerging technologies and connecting really um, all the different dots 
uh, from the raw material until the final product and also probably the return process recycling um, to use in a better way the resources uh, we are consuming on a daily basis. I think this will go to a much different level with a lot of disruptive technologies used and I believe that we will have a better future by, by that. Being a little bit more precise, um, I think it will all connected. You will have full transparency. You can monitor all the activities in your supply chain and procurement plays a key role in building relationships, driving innovations, focusing on the sustainability footprint by selecting the right suppliers and the right supplies. Marcel Vollery, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thanks for being on CEO.Digital. Mason Darcy, many thanks. It was a great pleasure and um, I hope you enjoyed the interview. Thanks and bye-bye. If you enjoyed this conversation, then please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music or wherever amazing podcasts are found. Thank you very much for your time and see you next time on the CEO.Digital show.